0: Cincy 360, about Cincinnati from Cincinnati on ESPN 1530. Here's James Rapine and Moegger.
2: Eight seconds left. He's into the front court. He has it to go off his leg, gets it back. Broom puts up a shot that gets blocked. Loose ball tied up as the buzzer sounds. And Nevada is going to the Sweet 16 after rallying from 22 points down to beat Cincinnati 75-73. A stunning, gut-wrenching defeat for the University
0: of Cincinnati Bearcats.
1: Struggs will inbound for the Musketeers. Florida State playing a prevent defense right now as Xavier throws it long to Gates, and it's kicked out of the air by Florida State. And they will knock off the Musketeers as time expires. And that's the end of it. Florida State 75, the Xavier Musketeers 70. The season
2: comes to an end. That's Joe Sunderman there. You heard Dan Hort as well. That's what heartbreak sounds like, and it's uh, Heartbreak City here on Cincy 360 here on Monday. Usually Mondays can be bad, like, you know, the case of the Mondays, Mo. This might be the worst Monday, just overall worst Monday. I don't want to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) He's Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360. He'll probably want to be here tomorrow or maybe the next day or the next day. Uh, At some point, this is going to wear off, but right now it really stings. UC, as you heard Dan Hort on the call, loses to Nevada 75-73. You were there. (laughs) You had to drive back. (laughs) They were up by 22 with 10.57 to go in the game. I'll be honest. I uh, I took a call. I was out, and I was watching the game, and I made plans. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll come over. I'll watch the Xavier game with you. UC's cruising, and I I was just – I didn't even think that this could happen. I, I obviously Nevada—they can make a run. I didn't think this, There was any chance of UC losing that game, and it was right around the 11-minute mark when I made that call. So it's your fault making plans for the game. No, not my. Don't you dare. It's it's just it's crazy, Mo. How could this happen? How does this happen? Like I was I was I've gone through every not every single scene, every, but the play, and there was never really a time, even when it got down to two minutes to go. Where I thought, oh, is going to really give this one away. And yet, they did.
3: You know, uh, they cut it to, w- with however much time was left. Th- they cut it to like 13. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel uncomfortable. Sure. You know, I, I started to feel like, okay, this is going to be more difficult than I, I had hoped. I-, I texted a buddy of mine and just said, you know, man, nothing's ever easy.
2: Yeah.
3: I... Didn't entertain the idea that they were going to lose
2: until they lost. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, even when it was tied, even okay. when it was tied. Get a bucket, because I've seen this before. Look, uh, the other day, it, it's crazy how I, I talked about this. Uh, but but I, I look at it, my instant reaction to the game was not one player wanted to take the shot. Not one player was like, "All right, it's time to end this run and get out of here with the W." There mm-hmm. was just there wasn't that guy. And that's been a concern about this team. Who would take the shot? Who would be able to put the team and, and get, them, get them a bucket when they needed to yeah. in crunch time? And they didn't get that. But I was on WLW on, on Saturday. I mm-hmm. was on WLW yesterday. And I said my biggest takeaway from the Georgia State game was it's 45-44. Georgia State goes on this 13-2 to run to take the lead. And the Bearcats answer. Yeah, And they just answer, answer, answer. And they didn't get frazzled at all. Yesterday, they got tight real quick.
3: Yeah, really quick. I mean, it just it it started when they're up twenty to twenty two, and and guys just took bad shots, and it was just a, a just a series of events that individually, you know, you're thinking, okay, this isn't a big deal. Bad possession, bad trip, bad foul, but they all added up at the at the precise worst time. And and you're right. I mean, it was the final five and a half minutes were the confirmation of everybody's worst fears. What's going to happen against a good team when they need to score, when they need to stop another team's run. At the same time, they gave up 32 points in 11 and a half minutes. This team, the best defensive team in the country know, all the Ken Palm, how great they are on defense, Gary Clark, defensive player of the year. They gave up 32 points in their. I mean, look, they had offensive issues and, and we'll dissect all of them. But they gave up 32, what, 32 points in 11 and a half minutes? Mm-hmm. That's staggering by this team. Look, credit to Nevada. Um, because, number one, they really could have packed it in and said to hell with it.
2: 32 points in the final ten fifty-seven. Right. After giving up 43 total <laughs> against a Nevada team that can fill it up yeah. over the first... 29 minutes of the game.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> among all the different things that I'm, I'm probably going to spend the next six to seven months thinking about, it's how this vaunted defensive team couldn't get a stop. And, yeah, had all sorts of offensive issues, man. Like, Kane Broom looked scared.
2: He did. Look scared. I've, I've been uh, the biggest right. Kane Broom guy all season in the, th- the past to, to Kyle Washington. Looked very passive, considering – He literally had a perfect jumper at the free throw line that he could have made. And he makes it more times than not. So, I was like, shoot it. What are you passing for? Yeah. Gets bailed out by a foul. I don't know, man. It's just they all look tight, including their coach. Mm -hmm. Honestly, including Mm -hmm. him. And I don't know. And I know there are a lot of UC fans questioning Mick today. And at at some point, players need to make a play. And that's what I was – my instant reaction, that's how I reacted to the game. But – Ugh. It's heartbreak city, Mo. It's heartbreak city.
3: It, there's something about, just as a fan, a little bit of a calming influence, right? Mm-hmm. And things are starting to snowball. And, and you could feel the game turning, right? And again, I, I never entertained the idea that they were going to lose until they actually did. But, but I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable. Yep. And I'm watching the body language of, of the UC players. And it's not good. I'm watching the body language of the bench, and I'm watching the body language of the guys on the court, and it's not good. And they had a ton of, of possessions that just ended with bad shots, missed layups, and they're getting tight. And I look over at Mick, and, and I'm a huge fan of the way Mick runs his program. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking over at him, and he's, he's melting down. And I'm thinking to myself, here's where I could use the head man going, guys, we got this. Like, let's, let's play our game. Let's run some stuff. Let's, let's call a timeout if we have to, and, and, and let's just settle things down, okay? Let's, th- we got this. Yeah. And I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that from somebody, a, you know, person sitting next to me, player on the court, someone. I think in that situation that's got to come from the head coach. And I think in that regard we could talk about some of the strategic decisions that, that Mick made, and a number of them should be second-guessed. But more than anything – like, I'm watching this take place, and, and he's over there losing his mind. And, and, look, there's a time for that, and that's part of his personality. And he has guys, for the most part, that respond well to that. Mm-hmm. That, to me, wasn't the time or place for that. You've got a veteran team. You, you've got a – your season is, is on the line. This isn't the time for ranting and raving. Yeah. This, to me, is the time for a calming influence for your players.
2: I, and I get that. This is Cincy 360, by the way. He's Mo Egger. I'm James Irpine talking about UC's uh, collapse against Nevada yesterday. Nevada wins 75-73. And here's the other thing. Like, y- you mentioned body language. You mentioned just facial expressions, calming influence, or wanting someone to step up. And everyone, and in, in rightfully so, Jaron Cumberland gets his fifth foul. That happens, and I'm like, okay. And, and we're going to get into whether or not Mixer left him in later in the show. I don't want to make it about that right now. That happens, and I'm like, okay. Cumberland's had a nice game. He was good the other day as well. Mick said he could be the next Sean Kilpatrick, yada, yada, yada. They should still win this game with Jacob Evans, Kane Broom on the court, obviously Gary Clark, Kyle Washington, the seniors. You should be able to win without the sophomore. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's that simple to me. You have a lead. They were up eight when he fouled out. I think it was eight. Or no, they were up eight when he got his fourth?
3: I think so, yeah.
2: Fourth or They, they were up eight. That's right. Because the, the, announcers, the announcers made a huge deal about it. But to me... Let's say Cumberland doesn't play the rest of that game. You should be able to win without him. And they, they didn't. And was he the leader? That's the guy? I, yeah, look, you know, uh, like at some point in, in his body language, too, when he fouled out, he was like, oh, my God, this could be bad. Like, I could see it. I'm like, it shouldn't be that bad. You guys are fine
3: Yeah. The game. In that moment, you know, I, I guess they made a big deal about Jaron asking to stay in the game. And again, where I sat, I, I I didn't see that. I didn't know that. And 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 I'm not going to spend much time going back to watch that thing. So I'll take people's word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Look, I to me the bigger deal about Jaron was him getting his his two fouls within 20 seconds of each other in the first half, and they were dumb fouls. So now he's got to sit for the final seven and a half minutes. And and he was their best player, I thought, in the first you know 10, 12 minutes Agreed. of the game. Absolutely. So I mean. To me, that was a bigger deal than him fouling out late. Because I'm like you. I'm going, okay, you're winning. Jaron's a very important player. But Gary's out there. Kyle's out there. Kane's out there. Uh, To me, like down the stretch, when they weren't getting stops, I would have put Justin Jennifer in. I would have put Trey Scott in. Mm -hmm. They're just better defensive players. And if I sacrifice a little bit on offense, I can do it. They they went with a very defensive-oriented lineup in the final four or five minutes of the first half. Now, Jacob Evans was playing one-on-five and maybe should have been a, a little bit more aggressive, but I thought they kind of hung in there with that lineup with better defensive players, and, and that didn't happen. But I come back to if, if to me, there was like a, a defining moment in the game, they've melted down, this lead has almost entirely evaporated, and yet they've got the ball, up by five with about 2.15 to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you run clock and don't get a shot off, you, you essentially kill between a fourth and a fifth of what's left on the clock. If you score, you're going up seven or eight. Now the pressure's on them with less than two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. You might get to the free throw line. I mean, there, there was like a thousand things that could happen, yeah. and the worst one did, which was an offensive foul. I'm not going to spend much time talking about the officiating last night, because number one, it does a disservice to Nevada. Number two, it sounds like sour grapes. And number three, you're up 22 points with 11 and a half minutes to go. I don't care what the referees no, do; you should win the game. Seven to go. Right, 10:57 to go. <clears throat> but that moment right there, number one, I don't think that was an offensive foul. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, that changed the game as far as I was concerned. And, and I just, I'm, I'm watching, I'm, I'm in, I'm there, I'm at Bridgestone Arena, I'm watching the, the body language of UC's guys right after that happened, and slumped shoulders, heads down. Um, it, it, like at that moment, that to me is the moment where I should have said, yep, they're going to do this, they're going to lose.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Gary Clark's, and he said it after the game, the the, 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 the rebound that he didn't get uh, on the offensive board by Nevada before they, they scored. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're telling me there's going to be a ball in the air and they've got to get it to save their season, I want Gary Clark out there. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get it. I mean, it was just a, like a, a series of things. It wasn't just any one thing. It was a
2: perfect storm. Yeah. It was, it was a collapse. I mean, it's what happens. And in, it's insane. I've watched Kane Broom all season. Like, just one player who it seems like every big game.
0: for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. i
2: seen that once from him what I saw yesterday. And it wasn't just him, of course. But, like, of course we know there are times where Jacob Evans is passive. Where mm-hmm. Gary Clark might not get the ball or be able to assert himself on offense much. But, ugh, it was just the perfect...
3: And I don't know what he was afraid of. Kane? Uh, yeah, I don't know what he was afraid of.
2: I don't know. I mean... It, was like it they his were coach a, losing his mind? I don't is know. It, is, I don't know. I don't know what it was.
3: And then I come back to the end of the first half, and I went and got a, a drink at halftime. Fortunately, at the NCAA tournament, you can't drink alcohol, which is probably a good thing. Um, and I ran into someone, and I said, 12-point lead, lead is great. This should be, if you kind of think about how the last four or five minutes went, Evans is playing one on five. When he's getting to the rim, he's either scoring or getting fouled. Mm-hmm. Then he settles for a couple of bad threes. Plus he gets to the line for the front end of a one-and-one and and he misses. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, this really should be 16, 17, maybe 18 points. Mm -hmm. That's where this should be. I'm not complaining about being up 12, but with the way they started and what they could have done down the stretch, and I'm not putting all of this on on Jacob Evans, but it just felt at the time to me like, you know what? They should be up by more than they are. Mm -hmm. Then they come out to start the second half, and it was like, all right, this, this is it. They're, hey, no more messing around Five here. Five
2: straight points. Let's
3: end this bad yep. boy. Let's, I mean, I, I felt great. I felt great. And, I'm, again, I'm sitting there. It's a 22-point game. There's 11 minutes to go. And I'm going, okay, even if things dry up offensively, even if they get really, really passive, they'll just get stops. Mm-hmm. They'll get stops. They'll get rebounds. They'll be fine. That didn't happen.
2: He's Mo. am James. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. We'll have more on UC Nevada mixed postgame comments leaving Jaron Cumberland in the game with four fouls as well. But that's the thing is, so this game concludes. I head home, leave the establishment I was at, go home, go over a, a, a relative's house, watch the, the Xavier Florida State game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, Xavier's going to get it done. Like Absolutely. in my mind, Xavier's going to get it done. Uh, they go up. I, I started watching it. They went – they had just hit a three to go up two early in the first half, like mm-hmm. seventeen fifteen, And I was like, okay, here we go. And they're up by – 11, yeah, 11 down the stretch. Heck, they were up by nine with uh, during the final five minutes. Less than six minutes ago, up nine. Mm-hmm. Still feel comfortable. When Florida State got within a bucket or even took the lead by one, Xavier's really good in close games. We've watched them all year. I thought they were still going to win the game. Didn't end up winning 75-70. It's heartbreak city, Mo. Well, when you, you're on your way home from Nashville, but you were watching the game. Mm-hmm. What uh, what did you think about this, Xavier, Xavier Florida State?
3: It felt to me there were, like, eight lead changes in the first half, mm-hmm. and it felt to me like Xavier was just kind of toying with them.
2: I agreed. And I was never on edge, at the edge of my yeah, seat, worried about it. I thought, I thought
3: like, they're toying with them, and Trayvon Blewett's not a huge factor.
2: Which has happened a lot this year. Yeah. There's plenty of times where Trayvon Blewett doesn't, you know, lead them in scoring. And, and yet I hard.
3: still assume at some point he's going to be aggressive. At mm-hmm. some point he's going to get going. At some point... He's going to go on a little mini run. There's going to be some separation and they're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one, they missed a ton of free throws. Mm -hmm. I mean, 11 of them in in a game decided by five points. Number two, Trayvon Blewett took eight shots. Number three, you know, and again, I'll preface this by saying the same thing. Same thing I I did about Mick. I I love the way Mick, uh, Chris Mack coaches. Love how he runs his program. I do not understand why he stayed in that zone defense in the second half last night for as long as he did. Um, but I kind of feel about the, the Xavier game the way I do about the UC game when it comes to the two senior stars. Gary Clark shouldn't have gone out like that. Not just losing the way they did. Um, but if, I, if I'm going down, I need I need him to take more than six shots. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Blewett especially. I need him to take more than eight shots. And uh, the air balled three by Karam Cantor, I like him that's just not a shot with my season on the line.
2: He's made 17 threes all year. Yeah.
3: With my season on the line, that's just not the shot that I want.
2: And they look disorganized there. They're down three. I still think at that point, look, I've watched them come back down four against Georgetown with 20 seconds to go. Yeah. So I think they're winning this game still. I'm like, they're going to get blue at a three and he's going to drill it. Mm -hmm. I don't care what he's done up to this point. He doesn't touch the ball.
3: They just looked. And I said this to, to a friend of mine, uh, who's a huge X fan? They 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 just looked like it was a a buy game in November at the Cinta Center. Mm-hmm. You just didn't sense urgency. You just didn't sense this team seizing opportunity. It, it, they just looked. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was the pressure of being a one seed. I I I, I don't I don't know what it what it was. But the,
2: the, I, I don't like to say they lacked urgency. The last twenty seconds, they did.
3: Yeah, it Going up felt the court, like, Yeah.
2: I'll say that. Yeah. Quentin Gooden's like jogging up the court. And I was like, okay, you calling a timeout, Chris? You calling a timeout? Because I think they had one left. And, and uh, he didn't, which is fine. I get that because you don't want the defense to get set. But, again, Karim Canter. Now, if you get a two there, you still have plenty of time. You could go two and foul, and they didn't. I just, For the first time, I think, all season, outside of them playing Villanova, Xavier got a little razzled. Or a little and I didn't even think they did up until that final possession. I thought that oh, they're going to get a three here, yeah, we'll get a good look at least, and we'll see and that final twenty seconds told me that's exactly what happened,
3: yeah, I mean, they just looked whether it's flustered or stuck flustered, in the mud that's a good they, word. they didn't look i've 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 never seen Xavier get rattled mm-hmm. until the i think the the final you know five to ten minutes against Providence at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. But then I saw it again last night.
2: Yeah.
3: And for a team that is, you know, so dominated by seniors and they've done so much winning, and, I mean, you know, Trayvon Blewett should have his jersey in the rafters at the Cintas Center. I just, I got to a point where I expected him to corral the team and go, guys, get on, get on my back, get on board. Because mm-hmm. um, I saw him doing the tournament last year against a, a Florida State team that was, I think, as mediocre as this year's Florida State team is and it just didn't happen and i kept waiting for it and it never never happened and then i do think some of the defensive deficiencies that we feared would rear their ugly head in the NCAA tournament actually did chris goes zone and it i mean it it just it, it looked like they had never played it before yeah um and to me it's like i certainly understand a coach un- unleashing a strategy especially a zone defense against that team but it's like that's that's not what you did this year that's not what you did to get you here so what are we abandoning that got you here? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, to me, then there's the the 11 missed free throws.
2: Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Heartbreak City for the uh, Cincinnati area in <laughs> the past 24 hours. Good God, I can't believe it. It was this.
3: literally Heartbreak City in Nashville.
2: I bet that's a thing. As it, I was seeing pictures and hearing about the environment in Nashville, and I know Mike Bone said that there's 5,000 UC fans at the game yesterday, or expected to have 5,000. And I know there were a ton of Xavier fans as well. And to both lose, like that too. Yeah. It, they're clearly better than Nevada. I, I get it. It's not, the I, best team doesn't always win. Right. UC's better than Nevada. Yes. Xavier, clearly, in my mind, better than Florida State. Mm-hmm. Neither one wins. I, I it's, think, it's insane. I
3: think these are the two worst losses in the history of, of each program. I mean, I, I believe that. I believe this is the worst loss in the history of UC basketball. And I believe this is the worst loss in the history of Xavier basketball because, look, chances are in the NCAA tournament you're going to lose. And, look, upsets happen. That's fine. But all year long with both programs, there was this sense of if not now, then when. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have made the comparison just in terms of how they feel to the Bengals' postseason loss to the Steelers or to the Reds' losing to the Giants. And both of those times, those defeats were so devastating because the feeling going in was... If they don't do it now, when will they ever do it? Is UC going to be in the NCAA tournament next year? Probably. Mm. Is Xavier going to be in the NCAA tournament next year? <clears throat> I think he's a pretty good bet. They will be. But this was different. UC has a hard time in the American Athletic Conference getting extremely high seats. They're the player of the year in the league. Um, everything they've been doing for years had been building to this point. Xavier, they finally get a number one seed. Um, they win the Big East regular season championship. They have an all-American player, a program having never been to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. I think with both schools, there was a sense of, all right, might not win the national championship, but here is a chance to do something. Xavier never been to a Final Four. UC hasn't been to one in 26 years. We're openly flirting with the idea that that could happen. Openly flirting with that idea. Yeah. This was a, if if they don't do it now, when will they ever do it? type of feel and so to lose just at face value devastating in that regard and then talk about how it happened the uh, biggest second half collapse in the history of the NCAA tournament and and a Xavier team that just looked stuck in the mud which is not something you ever really say about them I think these are the two worst losses in the history of those two programs
2: I don't blame I don't blame you for saying that for a variety of reasons we don't know what the future is going to hold Look, the, the Bengals—they were here to stay, right? After fifteen, things were going to go uh, on the up and up. They were going to be all right, and they collapsed. Some. The difference between the Bengals and, and or, or any professional sport in these is you're losing Gary Clark. You can't resign him. Right. You're losing Kyle Washington. You're you, you're losing McCoura. You're losing Blewett, You're losing O'Mara and, and Cantor, and maybe losing Chris Mack. You know, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. So today, you saying that. I don't think it's something a year from now where I'm like, oh, that's not the biggest loss. Look, at the bottom line today, if you see wins, even if they win by one last second after giving up a 22-point lead, I say they're in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. I, I would have come on today and said they're going to go on the, play in the Elite Eight against UK, and, and they're going to have a chance at the Final Four. Yep. And Xavier, I would say they would be in the Final Four. Yep. That's what I would have said today. Yeah. And instead, first ever Final Four in school history. And the fact that they lost yesterday when they were both up double digits, clearly the better team, clearly more talented, and losing all these seniors and in Xavier's case. Heck, who knows about hey. Mick Cronin's future too. But everything's now up in the air. All this talent, the the four years, the the ride, the, the heartbreak that both Gary Clark and J.P. McHugh, the seniors had gone through and, and blew it, and in, in, um, Kyle Washington as well. Like They've all been dealt with crappy buzzer beater losses in the tournament yeah both teams and it was all culminating to this run of experience and talent and luck and, and, it, and good luck and it ended it, it felt like
3: it felt like from a uc perspective like luck was finally on their side sure i mean it did it just i i put that on twitter after the houston game uh, in the in the conference tournament that there are things happening to this basketball team that i i've spent my entire life expecting to to not happen i mean look I, I hate to say that falling short of the Final Four represents failure. We've talked about that that a bunch this year. That that's hard. There's only four that make it out of, you know, three hundred fifty something schools. But I think we all agree that this was UC's best chance
1: mm-hmm.
3: since two thousand two. This was Xavier's best chance maybe ever, and that includes some really good teams. But it, I mean, just just look at just look at the last couple of decades. Okay,
0: mm-hmm.
3: UC basketball has played in the Sweet 16 once in 18 years. Once. They haven't been to the Elite Eight in more than two decades. In the interim, they've had a bunch of really good teams. A bunch of really good teams. Xavier's made eight Sweet 16 since 1990. The, the, the profile of the program has been elevated to, to such a, a huge extent.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: National profile, it's huge. A um, lot of postseason success but they haven't made the final four. Mm -hmm. That's with a bunch of really good teams, iconic players. It illustrates how hard it is. So when you do have have teams like this that just seem better than any of their predecessors at at each school, when you don't do something with that, it's massively disappointing. Massively disappointing.
2: Especially – when it's honestly to lower-seeded teams, when you're up by 12 with 6, 7, 8 minutes to go, mm-hmm. or you're up by 22 with 11 minutes to go. Yeah. I mean, That's it's, what's maddening. It's, they it's, were clearly better. Both it, teams.
3: It's I, I, I struggle sometimes, and I mean, I feel like I've been dealing with this for days. It just occurred at 8.30 last night from a UC perspective and, and about 11.30 last night from a Xavier angle, but... Uh, when I talk about it, I, I find myself struggling to even come up with the words of of, of, of of what this is and how this makes me feel. I mean, it's the worst college basketball day in the history of Cincinnati college basketball.
2: Easily. And, and
3: it's not even close. Yeah,
2: it's got it easily.
3: And I know some of this to some might sound harsh, but but again, it it, it is a statement about how good these teams were. Mm-hmm. It was a statement about how. The last few years for both programs felt like they were building toward this. You know, I remember two years ago when UC played uh, St. Joseph's in the first round and and lost basically at the Horn. Yeah. And I said, like, look, this like in two years, two years, two years is our year. Right. Then, Then look, put that team on the court. Let's see how they do. Everything from then till now seemed to be building toward that. Xavier was a two seed two years ago, which to me makes you double down on the heartbreak because you were a two with Trayvon Blewett. You were a one with Trayvon Blewett. I know they had what they did last year in the middle, but still, man, it, that's, that represents such a huge missed opportunity, but it felt like everything that program had been doing the last couple of years, from that recruiting class that Chris brought in uh, four years ago to the development of Trayvon Blewett, to some of the players they brought in in the interim, everything was building towards this year, being the year where you looked at it and went, you know what, they can make a Final Four. And neither happened. Neither, neither came close to getting Nowhere there. Nowhere near it. <laughs> neither came close to getting there.
2: Yeah. It's
3: insane. And, like, I hate that this is what we're going to do, and it's drastically unfair. But when you mention this UC basketball season to me, I'm going to think about holding a five-point lead with two and a half to go or 220 to go and having the ball. And when you mention this Xavier season to me, I'm going to think of Karim Cantor airballing a three with the season on the line. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be how it is, and maybe I'll feel differently a half year from now. And it's an injustice to those two teams and the seasons they had. But how do you feel any other way?
2: He's Moam James. This is Cincy360. Up next, we'll talk about the curse that uh, a lot of people have talked about and are certainly referring to when they talk about Cincinnati sports today. Also, Mick Cronin, was he wrong for the way he reacted? after last night's game when he talked to the media. You'll hear his comments. We'll discuss them next on Cincy 360.
0: You were shot at $1,000 now. Money. Uh Text the keyword BANK to 200, 200 You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BANK to 200-200. Cincy 360 resumes on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station.
2: I'm James Rapine. He's Mo Egger. This is Cincy 360. We're going to get the mood going a little bit. Try to – Mo is looking at me like he's angry as hell. <laughs> Going to try to li- liven it up a little bit by continuing to talk about yesterday.
3: Oh, no, that great. Moment? That'll that'll just make my mood so much better.
0: It's time to pick a side on ESPN 1530.
2: After yesterday's uh, – I mean, look, they were up by a combined 34 points. They had a combined uh, amount of losses. What, oh, they had eight losses total going into yesterday? Yep. Eight losses total. I mean – a one seed, a two seed. They were two of the best teams in the country all season. The last... You know how much... Mo- I would have lost my house had you told me in those moments, oh, yeah, both things are going to happen. Up by a combined 34. I know they happened at different times, but there's no way I wouldn't have said, you're out of your mind if you think those
3: happened. Yeah, no. I would have um, lost everything. They and had it, nine losses between them, by
2: the way. Nine. Yeah, Xavier nine. had five. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, if you would have looked at me with... 10 to go and the Bearcats up by 22 and said you have to bet your house and your car on Cincinnati winning this game outright would you do that I would have said sign me up right yes,
2: now." yes I would have
3: sign me up right now
2: Xavier up 12 would you have done the same
3: absolutely <laughs> That's insane absolutely against uh, against a, a Florida State team that was maybe among the most forgettable certainly certainly among them and maybe the most
2: forgettable in the
3: ACC this year
2: so that leads to with
3: Leonard Hamilton coaching them
2: the question yeah that leads to the question is Cincinnati sports cursed Mo pick a side
3: I don't believe in that crap I mean I don't believe in curses I don't believe in stuff like that it's just
2: it's not Bo's but, fault but it's I am... not Bo
3: Jackson's <clears throat> fault no that said I understand why people resort to those things yeah because it comforts you.
2: How, how in the hell else do you explain exactly,
3: that? Exactly. Exactly. It's it's inexplicable <laughs> to be on the on the losing end and be on uh-huh. the wrong end of so many, not just losses, but just like, you know, snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory type, type losses. And so people resort to those things because it makes them feel better and it, it gives them something to point to and ration out. So I, I don't believe in those things, but I understand why people resort to them.
2: Yeah, I do too, but. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy the curse thing too much, but at the same time, it's one thing for one of the teams to happen to, like the fact that this happened to Xavier as well. Yeah, <laughs> the team that always makes the run in yeah, the tournament. Yeah, the team that's always felt like it's exempt from the whole curse thing. And and composed down the stretch of games, it's it's certainly interesting.
3: All right, uh, pick aside. A lot of people are upset about how Mick Cronin handled the post game. Um, was he wrong for the way he reacted after his team melted down?
2: Yeah, let's play. Uh, let's, let's hear from Mick after the game. Like you said, it's. I mean, that
1: wasn't the goal. The goal was the championship. Right. Just how disappointing is it for you? How hard is it for you to walk away when you know that you didn't get that this year? It's hard. It's something that keeps you awake. How long does it bother uh, you? I didn't go to sleep yet. Did you come up with that question by yourself? I mean, after it tonight. If you me awake, I'm standing here. I mean, we'll after, see. I'll, you know, you call me tomorrow. Okay. I'll tell you if it keeps me awake tonight.
2: I'm just curious.
1: I answered the question. You asked me if it kept me awake. I haven't been
2: asleep yet. Come on, man. You kidding me? <laughs> That's Mick Cronin with, <laughs> oh, my God, with Jeremy Ralph, Fox 19. And uh, we got one more from, from Mick. W- with that one real quick, mm-hmm. like, Mick's being very nitpicky. Yes. I, I Like, I get it. Yes, at the same time. He knows
3: what the question is. He knows yeah. what Jeremy was trying yeah, to Yeah,
2: it's it sucks and I get it. I also uh it just sucks. The whole thing about it sucks, but yes, Mick Cronin probably shouldn't have been so nitpicky there, even though I do kind of think it's funny. No, I, I mean, I, I I laughed. Like people oh lost my. their minds on Twitter. I'm not going to lose my mind about that. I'm be like, "Oh, yeah. little Mick and his uh, No, look, I I, don't care. I, I I
3: so number one it's it's it can't be easy to have just overseen that meltdown and you're thinking about your players and you're thinking about everything that just happened and you're pissed at the official i mean all like it, and then somebody sticks a microphone in your face but but that's the job i Absolutely. mean that's that's the, the job makes money yes. right that that's the job and and it's a fair question hey like how and, and okay should, should jeremy have phrased it differently yeah fine but i mean it's Whatever. This is going to stick with you for a long time, isn't it, Mick? Right. This is going to be tough. This will yeah. be one that you have a hard time sleeping over tonight. Like, I think, there's, I think there's a way to do that that doesn't make you sound the way Mick sounded. Yeah. Like go viral. I, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, look, it's devastating. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt for my players. Uh, we worked really hard. We had huge expectations. Can't believe things went wrong. Now, I watched his official NCAA-sanctioned press conference. And, I mean, he, you know, the, the answers were, were pretty textbook. They were pretty generic, but they were pretty textbook.
2: Yeah, maybe that's it, too, is he sees Jeremy once a week and he's like, come on. man." Maybe. I mean, look, I, not, I not just. That it's, not that it's fair. I'm just saying.
3: I, I like, I, I get it. You're pissed, frustrated, sad, angry. I mean, like, I, I get it. At the same time, I mean, you don't have to be
2: the way he was in answering that question. And here's the one that didn't get as much of attention. Mm-hmm. But I think should've out of the two, this is the one. And this from Jeremy uh, Jeremy Rao as well, Fox 19. On uh, this is Mick Cronin after the game on advancing to the Sweet 16 and how he doesn't really care.
1: <laughs> you care about the Sweet 16. I don't. I care about trying to win a national championship. They, they, you know that stuff's all for recruiting and guys' resumes. I already got. You know, I I, I got. I, I've, I've had a great run. If I never get to coach at Cincinnati again. Like, you know, I'm not like it's not like I'm trying to deflect it. Sure, it's important to your fans. Sure, I want to win. Uh, I just don't look at all that stuff the way everybody else does. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, like I look at this right now as I don't get to coach Gary and Kyle anymore. I, I look at it like uh, there's other things. You guys, you know, people want to talk about that stuff being important. I got an uncle fighting cancer that helped raise me. I got my best friend had a tracheotomy Tuesday was in, 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 growing up in life, almost died. I'm worried to death about the guy's laying in a hospital bed in Boston. So, you know, that that stuff don't affect me the, the the way you you know, it affects everybody else. So somebody can go on and put it on their resume. It just doesn't mean anything to me.
2: That's Mick Cronin after the game. Couple things there. I get what he was trying to say. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. Life is yeah. going to go on. There's yes. more important things than basketball. Totally understand it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the the last thing, and we talked about this in the pre-show, that you probably want to hear if you're a UC fan is, Eric, give me the first five seconds of that again. Just give me the first five seconds whenever you're ready.
1: You care about the Sweet 16, I don't.
3: That. I care about That's it. the national championship. You go ahead. You can
2: stop it. You care about the Sweet 16, I don't. Yes, you do.
3: You can't win a national championship I, until you go to the Sweet 16. I get what he's first.
2: trying to say. Like, ah, oh, well, the goal was never to get to just the Sweet 16, yeah. so it's a letdown if you lose now or next week or it, unless you win all six games. With that said, you really, you've really, you been to one Sweet 16? Come on. You were riding these players really hard. It's disappointing as hell you didn't get there this year.
3: Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I, I, understand, I understand what he's trying to say. I, I understand, you know, hey, look, there's bigger things in life. We, we, we don't, like, I don't need that explained to me. I'm heartbroken over that game last night. I'm very willing to admit that. Heartbroken. I, I, I get it in the, in the grand scheme of things. There's other things that will affect me more. Yeah. It's, it's sports heartbreak. Like, I, I get it. Sure. I don't sports need... heartbreak
2: different than real <clears throat> life. Yeah.
3: Different than... Like, I've been through real life heartbreak. Yes. Like, I can differentiate between the two. That still hurt last night. Yeah. We... Be happy that people care as much about your program as we do. Be happy that people have such a a level of emotional investment Mm -hmm. that what your program does affects them positively and negatively. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's affected me positively this year. I've had a blast watching this team. But, you know, in that moment, I don't need the reminder that there's bigger things in in life. Sure, there's
2: bigger things. But in that moment, we're worried about the game. Yeah. the 22 point collapse. Right. When you had the better team, you had the better players even when Cumberland was was not on the court, still have the better team. Yeah. I'm sorry. You do. Yeah. If, uh, and, and you the, just lost.
3: Uh, you know, so I, I I get it. I rarely. I mean, I've, I've 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 talked about this with other players and coaches before. I I rarely put much stock into what a coach or athlete says right after a game. Sure. Marvin Lewis, I'm more interested in what he says on Monday and Wednesday when he's had a little bit of a chance to step back. You know, if if we took phone calls, I hope we get phone calls this afternoon. If we took phone calls right after the game last night, people would be breathing fire. Today, they'll tap the brakes just a little bit. There'll be more tears, I think. Yeah, but yes, you, you have more perspective, so more time to reflect. I, I, al- I always, to an extent, when you know, like when Cam Newton after the Super Bowl a couple of years ago was bratty i kind of stuck up for him like look massive profound professional failure like i get it not everybody handles it the same way like mm-hmm. i get it so to an extent in that setting i'll always give a coach or a player a little bit of a break sure at the same time like that message as a
2: fan i didn't need it he's mo i'm james this is cincy 360 got a couple more pick sides for you including one more on uc before we get to chris back and the xavier musketeers and this one, Mo, it's going to be looked at. It, it, my initial reaction was, well, that's the right way to go about it. I think the announcers certainly had an impact on, and they do. Well, announcers, if they react a certain way, it's going to impact fans sure. and how they pay attention or how they, they react as well. Jaron Cumberland goes out, four oh two to go in the game, fouls out for the remainder of the game. Mick leaves him in with four fouls. I didn't have an issue with him doing that. Did you? Not a huge issue.
3: I think if it's me, I think we could all be glad that it's not. I would have maybe pulled him and tried to get to the under four timeout and mm-hmm. just buy a few minutes with, with him not in the game. But, but, I, but I get it. He's, the lead has been wilted to eight. Mm-hmm. You're, trying, you're trying to win the game right there. Let's not even let this get to the final two minutes. Let's, let me go with my best guys. Mick felt like Jaron was one of his best guys, and early in the game he certainly was. He's going for the kill. He's trying to win the game in the next two minutes, not the last two minutes. And so I get it. Now, if he would have sat him, would I have had a problem with it? No, because a lot of coaches are going to do that. Sure. And the idea is he has a team good and deep enough that you could play for a little bit without Jaron Cumberland. But he felt like, look, four fouls. I, I I'm. He's one of my best players right now. I'm going to try to win the game right now. I'm going to try to end this, remove any doubt, so it doesn't matter. Who's in the game in the final minute or two? And we're not—we don't have overtime. I get why people are talking about it. I get why people are criticizing Mick. I, I strategically, it's one of those things that we're always going to think about and talk about. But like, I get it. I get why he was still in
2: the game. Do you trust him? Do I trust Jaron? That's the ultimately. Mick said, "Yeah, I trust him." And mm-hmm. he made a stupid foul, by the way. Yeah, the fifth foul was stupid. Right. And he would tell you that. Like, ultimately, it wasn't like he. Was going up, defending a shot, and happened to bump a guy. Right. He Was going after a ball that wasn't really loose, that Nevada clearly controlled, and he hits the guy in the back. I don't – I would trust a player. Look, season on the line, do you trust a, a guy like that? I. Yeah, I get it. Don't get another foul.
3: Jaron Cumberland will be this team's best player in two years, if, assuming he's still here,
2: okay? Hell, he might be next year. Might be next year. Like,
3: th- that's that's the guy UC win a guy you see is going to win or lose a lot of games based on how, how good he is. Mm-hmm. That type of player – I'm, I'm considering leaving in to me, the bigger deal. If you want to, we mentioned this in the, in the first segment, if you want to talk about strategically, like there were times down the stretch, I would have had Jennifer in the game because I think he's a better defensive option. Mm -hmm. And I would have had Trey Scott, Trayvon Scott in the game, because I think he's a better defensive option.
2: Especially when it was clear. Kane wasn't overly aggressive, you know, or he wasn't aggressive at that point where he was kind of being passive. Yeah. I, I get, I totally get why you put Jennifer. All right. Quickly. Yeah.
3: Xavier loses. Louisville is still playing in the NIT. David Padgett is still the head coach at U of L. Oh, don't do this. But we both knew the minute that Xavier season ended, there'd be people wondering if Chris Mack was going to be the head coach of the Cardinals starting next year. Is Chris Mack pick aside? Is he going to be the head coach at Xavier University next year?
2: No. Why? Because I've heard about this now for a long time. When there's smoke, there's fire. Casual Xavier fan has heard about Chris Mack and Louisville and, whether or not it's, it's true, how much is there, I think a lot. Why? Because we keep hearing about it and keep hearing about it. And that's all they talk about in Louisville. And that's all they, they, leave, uh, they live, breathe, and die by Cardinals basketball. So if they want him, I think they're going to move mountains to try to get him. I would, too. I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's going to happen. It just seems set in what a shame it is. That not only the careers of Trayvon Blewett and, and JP McCura and Sean O'Mara and even Karen Cantor, they end yesterday uh, as far as Xavier basketball players, and maybe Chris Mack's career winning as coach in Xavier history does as well as he could potentially go to to Arizona. What's interesting? Wow. To Louisville.
3: What's <laughs> interesting, what's interesting to me would be the Xavier basketball job because the dynamic is so much different. It's a different athletic director. Greg Christopher has never hired a head coach, a basketball coach at Xavier. Um, the, the program's profile is, is, is huge. I think there's going to be a huge movement by the donors to hire Pat Kelsey. You don't know what Christopher's going to do. It's a program that's had great success elevating from within, but is Chris going to take guys with him to Louisville? If I were to guess, I, I, I believe if Louisville offers him the job, he's going to go
2: and I believe Louisville's going to offer him the job. Don't offer him, Louisville. Did you see his team collapse yesterday? <laughs> he's awful. He's awful. You don't want him. You want David Padgett. He's my mom James. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. Up next, remember when Coach Cal was whining and moaning about who he had to go up against in his region? <laughs> I wonder if he's whining and moaning today. We'll get to that and more in Quick Hits on Cincy 360.
0: 360 continues on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station.
2: Mo, before we get to quick hits, I'm going to break a little news. I'm going to break a little news to you and to all, uh, all of our, our listeners here on ESPN 1530. You ready? I'm ready. My graphics, b- graphic. My, see, I can't even say it seriously. My bracket, still perfect. still perfect good god why don't i believe you well here you're sitting pretty well i remember you have kentucky in the final four that seems like a sure thing (laughs) yeah who else do you you have villanova villanova
3: duke Duke, carolina
2: okay so three out of four i had xavier in Arizona, so you're you're better than me i have two of the four left i kind of don't care right now i was just trying i was trying to look at something that uh you know brighten your mood a little bit because right now it's not going well let's uh speaking of cal Let's get to Cal and Quick Hits. It's
0: time for Cincy 360 Quick Hits on ESPN 1530.
2: Coach Cal, yesterday, John Calipari, or yesterday, uh, last week, John Calipari complaining, whining about where they had to go, Boise, and who they had to play and how rough of a region it was. Well, 12 seed, 13 seed, they beat both of those, uh, those seeds. Now this week, they get Kansas State. They win there the the best team they'll play seeding wise is Nevada a seven seed looks like they're going to coast mo into the final four uh
3: yeah, good for them um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I'm just uh, I'm sitting there you know yesterday in Nashville as the Bearcats are building this seemingly insurmountable lead, and I'm like, you know what Cincinnati and Kentucky and Atlanta is going to be its s e c country elite Cat, eight. you know lead yeah. eight I mean it's going to be a a blast. And uh now Kentucky's gonna be there. They get this, you know, reasonably uh easy run to the you know to the final four, and then in the final four they're not gonna have to play either Xavier or North Carolina. That's how it works. Like
2: that's how it works. You gotta take advantage of it. Like UC would be in that exact same position had they finished it yesterday. At the same Boy, time
3: at the same time, I like the way Kentucky is playing enough that I think had the draw been a little bit more difficult, they would they would still be okay. Mm-hmm. They would still be okay. But yeah, look, they've 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 got an advantageous draw. It happens. I, I just kind of wish it would maybe happen to my team once.
2: I agree. And the worst part about this, and I didn't realize it as I was tapping on the rundown here, I'm looking and it says the cats are headed to San Antonio, aren't they? They uh, are. But no, I no, but I, I, I'm. Oh, cats, See, like, that's like insult to injury. I did
3: believe that uh, Kentucky was going to go to the final four. I put that in the, the bracket and you and I talked about that on, on Thursday. Um, i have them in the final four, but now I feel really good about that.
2: You should, you should look at you. You're a prediction machine, so to speak.
3: I wish. Yeah. <laughs> prediction machine me.
2: All right. Let's get to uh, the American athletic conference and the future of it. Does it change now that Penny Hardaway has agreed to become Memphis's New head coach. I
3: hope so, because uh, the, that league needs Memphis to be good. Uh, Penny Hardaway, it's certainly interesting. I mean, he's a huge name. He's a Memphis icon. I think he's going to be able to get some players there, but, but can he coach? Can he run a basketball program? Um, that, to me, remains to be seen. I just... Whenever I see one of these things, and it's not fair, but, but I see one of these things, I think of Clyde Drexler at Houston, which just totally felt like a fish out of water. Now, people will say, well, wait a minute. You know, there have been guys like Charles, oh, like uh, Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen who have you know, stepped into into college coaching. Patrick Ewing was a longtime assistant. Chris Mullins works in an NBA front office. I think they've also put people on their staffs who have been able to help them with some of the maybe traditional head coach duties. Penny Hardaway is going to have to do that. I hope it works out for the league. I still believe for Memphis, they should have hired Rick Pitino.
2: That would be interesting. That would be really going up against Mick and – and Rick could make the Sweet 16 with Memphis, and Mick could be like, oh, "I don't care about Sweet 16s. I'm here for national championships, baby." Hey, I'm by the way, kidding. really we're quick, we're gonna have fun with that. Really
3: quick Emma. on the Sweet 16 for UC. Yeah. How do you feel about Dubois Bookstore putting on pre-sale Sweet 16 T-shirts? What?
2: Yes. When? This happened. You, you wanted to blame me for making a call during the game. <laughs> That's it. Curses! That that type of stuff. You jinxed what it. What are you I, I doing? Believe, I believe it. Let's uh. Can we switch it a little? I'm looking at these topics here. Let's let's step away from college. Okay, let's start with uh, the Bengals here, and because what not to talk about with less heartbreak? You go from college basketball to that. But uh, Matt Barkley coming to save the Bengals signs a two year deal to be the backup quarterback in Cincinnati.
3: Cool, I guess. I just I'm interested in what it does for their draft plan.
2: I don't think it changes.
3: I don't think it shouldn't change it. It shouldn't change it. I mean, to me, you don't. You don't refuse to draft someone that you think could be Andy Dalton's long-term replacement because you have Matt Barkley. At the same time, I certainly have no major issue with them saying, look, we want a backup quarterback that's played in the NFL before.
2: Yeah, by the way, how refreshing was it to have that 30 seconds of Bengals talk we just had? That felt great. It did, and it's been months of awful bengals up, up until And by the way, if not week. for
3: the stupid Vontaze, Burfick suspension, like, it would be like the greatest four-day stretch
2: in the history of a Bengals offseason. I know huge. By the way, speaking of the Bengals off-season, former leading rusher of the Bengals, Jeremy Hill signed a 1-year, $1.5 million deal with New England. So this is a smart move by Bill Belichick. I kind of always assume that a Bill
3: Belichick move is a smart move. <laughs> right? I just give him the benefit of, of the
2: doubt. He Look, looked at the tape like, yeah.
3: My fear was that Tyler Eifert was going to go to New England. That's not happening. Jeremy Hill is. That's fine by me.
2: Rex Burkhead is pissed off. <laughs> he's in another backfield with Jeremy Hill, and he's going to watch Jeremy Hill play. They should just trade for
3: Gio and just reunite the, uh, the 2016 oh, Bengals backfield. God. They
2: should. He's Mo. I'm James Mo back at it at 3.03. Probably talking about heartbreak. Uh, heartbreak today? Heartbreak. Heartbreak at Heartbreak. 3.03 today. Tune in for that. Heartbreak. I'm James Hizmo. Thank you so much for listening to Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.